Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to uh, the Dream Big, Play Bigger podcast, if that's where you're listening from, or if you're watching through Jasmine's Facebook groups or uh, the group we have on Returning to Sustainability, Harvest, Hunt, Gather, and Store. We just welcome you to the conversation. Um, I am uh, excited to have Jasmine here with me. Uh, she is a gardening expert. And uh, so we're looking forward to having this conversation with her. Just a real quick introduction. And before I get started, let me just say that uh, this is going to be recorded and posted in multiple areas. So if you are not wanting to be seen or heard, now's the time to hit the, uh, to turn off your camera button or your audio button um, if that's something you prefer. Uh, but just to introduce Jasmine real quick, she's owner of JB Legacy Nursery. Uh, also known, uh, also known as uh, on as something more than mud pies. Where is that one at, Jasmine? So that's on the fa my Facebook page. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Um, Jasmine's going on her second year as a master gardener, but has been gardening for nearly gardening for nearly twenty years, developing specialties in edible and pollinator gardening, which is perfect. It's exactly what we want to learn more about and discover here. Uh, with what we're doing at the Return to Sustainability. I think um, if you're listening to this and it's five years in the future, this is being done during the whole coronavirus outbreak. <laughs> and so, uh, Jasmine, I'm sure you are seeing the same thing I am. A lot of people are now scrambling to get back to some of the roots that we let go of from our parents and grandparents on how to take care of ourselves. We, we're feeling... <laughs> We're feeling less confident in supply chains. Um, whether they keep going or not, people are just kind of waking up to uh, the idea that I'd rather worry, I'd rather not be worrying about how to take care of myself so then I can focus on the other things around me. Now, also while we're saying this, just to clear the air, we all have children at home because schools have been let out for a while. So if myself or Jasmine get interrupted, it's just what life looks like. And uh, so yeah. Jasmine, I really appreciate you taking some time with me this morning. I can see your looks like you're in a beautiful greenhouse. How how big is your greenhouse there? Uh, this one's just ten by ten. Okay. So not not huge, but it works for where I live and what we do. So. Got it. And you are more central Utah, I guess, more towards central Utah, um, or would you still consider it southern Utah? We we are in Iron County. So, Iron County. Um, yeah, so it's Southern Utah. We service Washington County as, as well. Um, mostly Hurricane, but we do service Washington County as well. So. Got it. And, and just for security purpose, I'm not going to tell anybody where you are, but I know where you're at. And I'm just curious, uh, one of the things I'm interested in is the um, growing season, right? You obviously <laughs> have a greenhouse to help extend that because you guys get snow where you're at. Yes. And, and it sticks for a little while. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we, if we could talk about some of that as well, because I think the knowledge you have there will be very helpful. So um, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself a little bit more to, to the audience here uh, in maybe what I didn't cover. Tell us a little bit about what you do when you say you service Iron County, Washington County. What does that look like? Okay. So I happen to be uh, specializing in uh, local gardening. And so what I do is I grow and raise plants for Washington and Iron County that are raised here, not brought in from anywhere else, that are bred to, to be successful here. 
So a lot of times when you purchase seeds from the grocery store or whatever, uh, you have the opportunity to grow a plant that was bred somewhere else. And so it is bred to a different climate than Southern Utah. And so that's what I do here is I breed plants, uh, save those seeds, which is the sustainability part, and then replant them so that way next year and future years that they'll do better here in both Washington and Iron County. Um, and I love it. That's what I do. My specialty in plants are tomatoes and peppers, but I also have been doing things uh, like basil for four years now and um, roses as well for the past two. So, okay. So uh, you might see me taking some notes. That's just to remember to ask you some questions as you're sharing. So, so you um, would that be considered heirloom basically that you're recycling the seeds from the, from the, the, uh, fruit or vegetables that you're growing mm -hmm. okay great uh, early we're open pollinated so they're both uh you're able to save the seeds and they are true to seed so they're not hybrid got it okay great um and so do you supply uh like nurseries and uh private buyers solely or is there a specific like group that that kind of seek you out um so uh we're only three years out we mostly service private buyers. Uh, we have been asked by larger uh, people to wholesale to them to, so that they can retail. In fact, we do that in Hurricane. We wholesale to a company in Hurricane and they retail for us um, because we aren't able to always be down there. Yeah. Um, but we do have a production site in Hurricane where we save seeds from so that way it, they are specific to you know, central Washington County. So it's not just up here in Iron County. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, and so with your family, you have three children, you, your husband, yes. and three children. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm curious what, and I think a lot of people are interested in the same idea of what volume of, of produce does somebody need to grow to just take care of their own family? Well, that kind of depends on what you, how much produce you eat. We are mainly a whole eating family, so we eat clean. We don't, we don't purchase a lot of pre-packaged foods. We're not really into, you know, like the ramen noodle kind of a thing. Um, and so for us, we have scaled up on that depending, but it just kind of depends on the plant. Like if you have a zucchini plant and you have six kids, one zucchini plant will probably satisfy you guys for a whole year. Like that's just how productive they are. But also like for tomato plants, if you want to can, um, so you can have some all year round, we usually for, we usually do four, four plants per person or more because we also um, save seeds, which mm -hmm. is hard to do if you're going to can. So, and we also sell our extra produce because people don't always, garden at, or have as much space as we do to garden so mm. got it okay cool and um how do you deter so you said if you're growing like uh your produce year round mm -hmm. at what point does somebody need to consider some sort of greenhouse and how basic can you get with that because we do get you know i'm down here in saint george so it's it gets a lot warmer in the summer and then mm -hmm. we do have freezes in the winter. So if somebody's considering sustainability 
let's say, as a way of growing their own food year round if they chose to do that and relying very, uh, having such a limited reliance on going to the store, what, what's the likelihood that they would need to have a greenhouse for themselves? Well, in Hurricane, we have a greenhouse. It is just basic unheated. Um, and we're able to produce probably 11 months out of the year without any extra effort um, because come November, we install our cold crops. Um, so that's things like broccoli and lettuces and spinaches. And those, sometimes we'll lose them, you know, in that deep January, early February freezes. But usually, if we can throw a frost cover or whatever over them before that, we haven't had a problem maintaining all year round production. Um, again, that's the cold weather crops. Um, up here in Iron County, we don't have that luxury. You have to have a high tunnel and you're lucky to get 10, 10 months out of the year with production. But we also have been able to successfully overwinter things like kale and spinach, but it just takes a lot more effort when there's snow on the ground. So, so you're so if you're planning a couple of months out of the year that you're not producing, then you'd be better off to plan on, like we discussed just a few minutes ago, having extra that you can bottle, so mm-hmm. that those couple of months that you're not growing, you have stuff that you prepared for those winter months. Is that safe yeah. to say? Yes, and. Actually, there's a lot of crops that you can harvest and eat fresh. We all love, you know, that butternut squash from the store. That was harvested in October, and some of you are still buying it in January. Um, it depends on the variety, but that's what we do. Mm. We will we'll produce these things like winter squash, onions. Those are harvested in the fall, and they last. We still have onions from last fall. Um, so there's just different crops that you can eat. You can store. Carrots are one. Um, and uh, for us up here, the carrots are more effective than down there. Carrots don't do as well down there unless you start them in the fall. But, but also things like beets and everything, uh, root vegetable usually is pretty, pretty storable. Mm. As long as you can keep them at a you know, 60 or 50 to 60 degree temperature. So. Got it. So if I'm, har- if, I'm, if I'm harvesting in October, November, and I keep them in that temperature, I can store them in that in that climate without having to bottle them and they'll still be good for yeah. a few months. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to know. I, because most people like myself, we go to the store and we buy what's there mm-hmm. and it's spoiling fairly quickly, but it's not because it's, that's how fast it's spoiled. It's because it took time to harvest it, then to package it, then to ship it, then to move it around. So by the time it gets to me, it's already at its end of life cycle versus if I grow up myself I actually have a few months before that becomes spoiled. Is that yes. accurate? Okay, cool. Yep. Got it. Um, so, what does uh, what's the best? So, let's talk about um, people that are, you know, a lot of people are going to hear this. They're not going to have access to services like yours, and so they're going to end up going to like a Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and buying the seeds. Yes. How? What's the best way? for them to read the packaging on seeds to discover their growing zones. I don't have package with me. I should have, but there's some okay. labels on the stuff. Yeah, please. So a lot of, I didn't bring out a seed packet. I thought to do that. I don't carry them out here. Um, mostly because you need to store them in a cool, dark place, greenhouse in the spring is not that. So, and I should have grabbed one, but for the most part, what you want to do is contact your local extension office in the United States. If you have that, or you can Google your own 
area if you don't. I don't know if you have listeners outside of the United States, but there are so many options. Like Old Farmer's Almanac, mm. the website can help you pick seeds for your own area. Okay. Um, but, but that's what I do is I go through all that information. There's quite a bit out there. And then I select all these plants and then I try them. I test run hundreds of varieties a year to see what will perform best here. And then I pick the ones that I like the best, that taste the best, that preserve the best, or also just the ones that, you know, flower, you know, some of them don't because they just don't do well here. Um, but, but that's kind of, a good place to start is on those websites or reach out to your local nursery. If you don't know who that is, um, you can Google it usually. Um, Dr. Google, right? He knows yep. so many things, but, uh, but really your local nursery will have the best options for you. You can go talk to say the guy down the street who grows really good vegetables too. go ask him, go to your local farmer's market, say, Hey, what do you guys grow? Mm. And they're actually really, most people are really willing to help you out because they want you to have fresh and healthy produce as well. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what do you mean? What does it mean when you say pollinator gardening? I mean, obviously the bees are involved, but what's, well, at least I, I say obviously and I actually don't know. So what, what does that mean? Well, you are right. Cause bees are pollinators, right. but so are other things, including hummingbirds and butterflies and even wasps. Um, so one of the best things that I encourage people to do when they garden, or even if they don't garden, is to plant a pollinator garden or have container pollinator plants to attract those pollinators. Um, so what is a pollinator garden? It is a garden full of specific varieties and specific types of plants that invite different types of pollinators. So that's what it is. Okay. You can have butterfly garden, you can have a bee garden, you can just have a general pollinator garden, um, you can have a native bee garden, you can have a honey bee garden. It just kind of depends on what pollinator you're interested in. Um, and so yeah. What's the, what's the benefit of that? Is there a food production benefit or is it just a hobby? Like how does that, what does that look like? Okay, so we, couple years ago decided, hey, let's just try to bring in a beehive to our, to our home garden. Mm -hmm. And we just thought, we'll see how, how it goes, you know? And the, our production that year almost doubled just because of, just because of the bees. That's wow. it. Like just yeah. having the bees within that locality. Um, and so, yes, it has this benefit for you know, two things, honey production, wax production, and food production. And so if you're interested in being completely sustainable like we are, we like bees. We like to be able to have honey. We like to be able to use wax, and we like to be able to have food. Mm -hmm. And so those bees made a difference for us, and so we've kept including that. And that's part of why I've learned more about it, but also because I just know that bees are suffering as you know, as a species. And so I started pollinator gardening when I lived in an apartment, just put outside, just throw outside a, like a zinnia plant or a rose bush or whatever, like in a pot. And they do, it helps just yeah. to track them to around where you are and it helps bring it to other people's gardens. And even like your farmer's market gardens, like if you have pollinator plants, 
near where somebody produces, it brings pollinators. And that's really helpful for them, but it's also helpful because it helps you get more food. That's better for you. Yeah. So you, if you don't have a beehive in your not in your yard, you could uh, encourage bees to show up by planting some of those things around your own garden, so that they're attracted into your to your yard to help one contribute to the bee population, but also because they're coming to your yard, it will benefit the other stuff you're growing. Yes, yes. And it's not just honeybees that you attract. You also attract native bees, which are actually more in danger than the honeybee. Okay. And so those native bees, here, let me move this because I see, I see that sunshine right behind oh. <laughs> But it also attracts those native bees, which actually do the most of the pollinating. And I'm not just talking about the edible food pollinating. I'm talking about the wildflower pollinating, which feeds things like birds and keeps the ecosystem going. Yeah. And so if you can plant any sort of pollinator plant, it helps keep the ecosystem together, which keeps gardens healthier. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about pest management because I've seen lots of people that get into gardening and they get into it once because the pests get their garden and they give up. So what advice and, and um, methods have you discovered to help with pest management? And I'm sure that depends also where you live, what kind of pests you're going to deal with. Yeah, where you live and also your crop variety. So there's a lot of things you can do. Um, for beginner gardeners who have no experience, I frequently recommend starting with hybrid plants. I know that sounds super counterintuitive, <laughs> but these hybrid plants are bred for newbies, where okay. they have less, they're less, they're less susceptible to pests, more pest resistant, and so that helps decrease what you have to do to keep your garden alive. Um, as you get more confident in seeing those different pests, because your garden is going to be different than my garden, my garden is going to be different than my neighbor's garden, just because it depends on what we're growing, when we plant it, how much we plant, and whether or not we use things like companion planting or not. And so we need to stay really on top of watching those things, but in order to get confident with that, you need to be able to have a successful garden. Mm -hmm. So yes, we don't want to stay with those hybrid plants because they don't taste as good and they don't produce as well and they're not as sustainable. But if you start with those, it helps you get to a place where you can be comfortable and confident in producing better quality plants. Got it. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back real quick to the bees because I thought us about something with the greenhouse. Will you see mm -hmm. pollinators coming into the greenhouse if there's some windows and stuff open or does that is that just out of the picture at that point? Um, so for a commercial production greenhouse, you have to have it as ventilated as possible, but also you don't want to let other pests in. So it's screened entrances. We don't have a lot of openings that they could enter in, but we do occasionally open the door to go in and out and you'll have a bee or a hummingbird or a butterfly try to get in. You know, you also have the other pests too though. So you, for commercial greenhouse, but for just for a fun hobby greenhouse, oh yeah. If you yeah. have openings, you're going to have pollinators in there. As soon as okay. they find that source, they will be there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what about, uh, let's talk about soil prep a little bit. Now I'm, we're trying to condense all of your knowledge into like this short 
conversation. So at the end, I'm going to ask where people can find more of your trainings and obviously the group that you're running so they can get a lot more of that in-depth education if gardening is their focus. Um, But uh, what can you tell us about basic soil prep? So in my backyard, if we were outside, I would show you, I have, my backyard is red dirt and it's covered with white powder, which is alkali right? Yes. And my concrete is starting to fall apart on my wall because it's so alkal. it's in such a high alkaline state. So when I look at my backyard, I, I wonder if I'd be better off putting some sort of a barrier and building vertical uh, gardens as opposed to going into the soil. Okay, so here's our dilemma as people in Utah. It is so hot and dry here, especially in Washington County, that vertical is not always your friend. Got it. Just because it dries out so fast. Mm-hmm. If it's not, like if it's not wide enough, deep enough, heavy enough soil, it's gonna dry out. Mm-hmm. I have so many customers who are like, I can't keep a garden alive. And I walk to their raised bed and it's like two inches tall with plastic on the bottom. And it's like, uh, there's no way that there's water in here, period. Like as soon as you water it, it evaporates. Yeah. So. There's a few things you can do to kind of mitigate that, uh, like drip systems and constant watering and deeper and, you know, thicker soil in your uh, raised beds. But a lot of times you should be able to add amendments to your soil. Um, And it might not start out awesome. You know, it might not start out awesome. But the one good thing about that rich red soil is that it's got a lot of nutrients. So if we can break it up, if we can introduce uh, organic matter into it, eventually, as long as you stay on top of it, you're going to have a garden that produces well. Okay, great. I did notice. I I do encourage that. Yeah. I did notice in the back corner of our yard, we've been throwing old, um, uh, like, logs that we burn in the fire. So the charcoal, we spread it around there. And then we had a random cherry tomato pop up and and actually there's an old there's an old antique bike back there and it wove itself through the bike and started producing cherry tomatoes out of nowhere so that was kind of exciting <laughs> so that apparently ever yeah it's like bonus That's, bonus food <laughs> bonus food yeah um wood ash wood ash um and even paper ash is is an organic type of organic matter um you can add organic matter from animals from your food newspaper cardboard anything that decays can be added. Um, I wouldn't recommend directly adding it to the soil. Usually you want to do a compost a compost pile uh, yeah. so that things can decay before you put it put it in the soil. But yeah, like that's what they do. Plants want to survive regardless of us. They yeah. want to survive. So. Right. Cool. Um, so I have a question about harvesting your seeds once you grow the tomatoes. Uh, oh, let's, let's answer this question first. So um, Melanie said, how do you compost without attracting bugs like roaches? Okay, so that is a big, big issue. Um, a lot of it has to do with containment, uh, especially down there. We don't, have, we don't have roaches up here, so we don't have to worry about that. But we do get mice. Um, the mice problem we solve by if you keep turning it, keep turning the compost um, as frequently as possible, or have cats, and then you don't have to worry about it. Um, but the roach problem, you should be able to do a containment system. They sell like giant tubs that you can do it in. 
Uh, you can just do it in like those totes you can buy at Walmart for five bucks mm. and just put it all in there. Um, and that will keep the pests out. Um, you'll want to add worms into that so that it'll keep decaying, but it'll keep the roaches out, which is important for a lot of people. Or you get chickens, they eat the roaches. So there's yeah. lots of different things and chickens are sustainable, right? You feed yep. them cockroaches and they eat the food and they make you compost. There you go. Done. Yeah, perfect. I love it. Uh, full ecosystem there. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so let's say I'm growing tomatoes and I want to use the seeds from the tomatoes to plant my next tomato crop. Uh, yeah. How do I know the seeds I'm using or the, the tomatoes I'm growing will actually yield, right? Because you have all of these things that are genetically modified. And so that's not possible. So how, how does somebody find the right seeds that they know once they grow, then they can then harvest seeds from those plants to redo it? Okay, so for people in Southern Utah, I, I do that exactly. Like all okay. of the plants that I produce, I will tell you if it will reproduce or not. Right. Most nurseries can do that, okay? okay. Um, but again, it has to do with that open pollinated or heirloom title. If it's not open pollinated or heirloom, it will probably produce. It will not produce what you are hoping for. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's called open pollinated or heirloom is what you're looking yeah. for. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. Great. Um, let's see. I So I have a question, personal question. So I got into uh, tower gardening, soilless okay. tower gardening. Are you familiar with that method? I have seen it before. I have never worked with somebody personally, but I have seen it before, yes. Okay, so I have three towers that are on their way. They'll be here Tuesday. Okay. Um, so anyway, outside of this conversation, if you w would like some information or follow-up, I'd happy to share with you, you know what that's about. But the reason I got into it is it's supposed to be using 90% less water because yes. it just keeps the roots wet. Um, the system we bought will grow 85 plants and you can harvest every 30 days based off of the oxygen moisture um, ratio because those roots are fully exposed inside those pipes. Yes. So I guess really I was just curious what your thoughts are from what you do know about it. Um, and if there's not much, that's okay. I guess I can let you know what I find out as I go. <laughs> so it's similar to like aquaponics. Does I that think make so. sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the biggest issues I have with that kind of a thing is the nutrient density in the fruit lowers unless you maintain that system really well, which a lot of people don't. Um, and so like people can do like fish ponds, things like that to kind of introduce more nutrients into it. But that's just my biggest drawback. But they do work really well. Aquaponics and hydro hydroponics have been around for a long time and people find a lot of value in them. And so like you're saying, if you, if you go the traditional route, which is in soil, it, you're going to pull more nutrients. So your food's more nutrient dense as opposed to uh, something like this system that has, I guess, minimal nutrients just for the sake of growing the plant. Yes. Because mm, um, you can grow plants in a bucket of water or a cup of water on your kitchen counter. Right. But they're not going to be as nutrient dense as if you were to grow it in soil or to amend that water right. got it um there's not a huge difference if you say you threw your plant into the backyard in the worst spot of ground um we're lucky because we have a lot of clay and clay is the most nutrient dense so if you can get it to grow it's going to be the most nutrient dense plant you can have 
but it also takes work either yeah. way. So whether you do it in water or not, either way. Um, and you can also save water in soil gardening if you do drip systems. And those, that helps a lot. It just puts the water straight to the roots and then you also are able to save water that way too. But I don't think there's a detraction except I feel like the hydroponics for me would be too much work. Yeah. But it's not too much work for everybody. So. Got it. And so let me uh, ask this one more question. I'll ask this other one for Melanie. So I have a tomato and it's an heirloom or it's a open pollinator and mm -hmm. I grow it and I cut it open and there's my seeds. I can just take those seeds and dry them out and they're ready to go the next time. Um, so some people do it that way. I haven't found that that produces the highest germination rate because then the seeds just continue to dry out. Um, there's actually a really intricate process to saving seeds, um, but basically you let the tomato rot mm. and the seeds get released and then you wash off the rotted tomato and you save the seeds. And that's where I, how I found, and most people find that the germination rate increases when you do that. Got it. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. I, in the process of trying to teach sustainability, you know, there are so many people like, I don't want to rely on anybody if I can't. Right. Cause I know Jasmine makes all of these things and they're available, but when Jasmine gets a rush order because the whole world's freaking out and I can't get any, you know, how do I, how do I grow a tree and make my own toilet paper is kind of the question right now. <laughs> oh, and I totally agree. That's, that's why I carry the heirloom and open pollinated. The idea is to work yourself out of a job if you work where I, how I work. Does yeah. that make sense? Like 100%. I want to provide everything for people so that way they can do it themselves. I don't want to keep having to produce and produce, right. but I, like, I would like to just produce for myself. But I also feel the need to get that into people's hands so that they can do it themselves. And there's always going to be years there's a crop failure. So it's really good to have somebody else out there with those seeds or with that plant that you need. Like there's, that's, that's the idea behind sustainability is you want to have somebody else doing it too. So if something happens to you, that you can rely on them. Or if something happens to them, you can rely on yourself. Like yeah. we, we, that's part of being sustainable is like you're gonna have a crop failure you want your neighbor to be gardening too so that way you can take seeds from them because right. gardening is just a gamble like it is literally the most gambling job you can have but it also is one of the most fulfilling jobs you can have right yeah so gardening the, the when you say fishing right it's called fishing not catching <laughs> so it's called gardening not eating <laughs> oh yes uh, go ahead so, so it's just like for me like I am a really particular garden but last year I lost 50% of my tomato plants to a beet leaf hopper oh, like, man. that happens it just happens it's part of it and sometimes it really really stinks you know and if I didn't have people out there who had purchased plants for me I would have never been able to get seeds back wow and, yeah like I would have lost varieties yeah, that's what a closed loop ecosystem looks like when you're worried, to, when your focus is to serve others rather than to kind of try to keep it all to yourself. It's, a, it's an abundance mentality um, versus a scarcity mentality. I love that. I um, did an interview with a World War II vet a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking him about the mentality of people when they were bombed by Pearl Harbor. And what was interesting, basically what I took away from that was 
back then everybody was already producing everything that they already needed for themselves. And so when they had this task that needed to be taken care of, right, like going to war in that particular case, they didn't have to worry about anything else. It wasn't, oh my gosh, we have to go to war and I have to figure out how to grow my food, where to find my food, how to produce a garden. Like they were already doing all of that. So they didn't have so many things uh, pressuring them. Because when I asked him, he said, well, we, what, I said, what was your mentality? He goes, well, it's time to go to fight. Like it was that simple. It wasn't, I have to now get my family ready before I can go fight, right? And in this particular conversation, it's we have the coronavirus and where everybody's worried about supply chains and all that kind of stuff. Well, if we return to sustainability, life can do what life does, but we're, we're basically living in integrity of what it takes to sustain our, our lives and our family's lives. And then we can serve one another and not be so worried or worked up. Yeah. So cool. I love it. Um, is there, uh, any, is there any questions that I didn't ask that as a gardening veteran like yourself would say that you should have asked this because people really need to know it that you'd like to share? Um, well, there's a lot of things about gardening. Um, but one of the things that I, I push as a gardener and as a nursery owner is this is for you. Like this is for you. Like I don't grow plants just to make money because I don't like, I don't make a lot of money. It's not for the money. It's for making people healthier. You know, like that's, that's the idea behind gardening. Like my husband and I haven't worried at all about this, you know, like the toilet paper is gone, but we have enough, you know, and, and we've talked about it. We're like, okay, well, we've just got to make sure that we have enough to share with our neighbors, you know, and, but it also is for us. Like we get outside and it helps with that. Sorry about that. It That's helps right. with that positive feelings. Like I, we don't feel like we're stranded. We don't feel like, oh my goodness, what, what if something happens? That security helps a lot mentally and also getting out in the sunshine helps you stay healthy, you know, and, whether it be the coronavirus or your husband has to go to war, like having something that gives you security really helps. And for yeah. us, that's been sustainable, right? Yeah. Like we don't have to worry where our kids' food or their clothes or whatever is coming from. Like we want to be able to, like your group, we want to be able to barter, right? Yeah. I have this, what do you have? I don't have skills, I can't sew. <laughs> I, well, I can't. I just hate it so much that I would never do it unless I had to, you know. But I can grow plants. So if you want to sew something like pants for my child, I'll trade, you know. Right. And I think that's really important for people to know that we they have that access. Like you don't. Not everybody has to garden, but it will help. Like if it's something simple and easy, like lettuce, do lettuce. Lettuce. It's hard to kill lettuce, you know. Yeah. Um, down in Washington County, you have to time it right, but. It's hard to kill lettuce. You grow it in February, you have food until May, you know, and, and that's something we have to remember is like, it's really for us. Like we garden for us and it has so many benefits that maybe that mental health isn't a benefit for you, but that salad is Yeah. plus like we have diabetes or whatever, you know, it just, there's so many benefits. Yeah. I love that. Preparedness peace is found in preparedness. And when we, do as much as we can for ourselves and have the network around us that we know we're serving one another. We're back to our roots as tribes and communities. 
then we we can find that peace to not be over overly anxious or worked up. And that's people are moving back to that direction, which I think is great because it's also tying people back into nature, which we were taking for granted. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Melanie said, if you want to grow plants indoors, what lights would work well? So I don't recommend growing plants indoors consistently unless it's like a house plant and they're made for that. Um, but you can start with just simple LED shop lights go to Home Depot, grab an LED shop light, um, and that will help. Uh, but ultimately, sunlight, you can't beat sunlight for a plant. It's just not, it's not comparable. I, I grow things inside, and as soon as I can get them out to the greenhouse, that's what I do. Like, I start them as seeds. In fact, you do need that. You do need a shop light if you're going to start from seedlings. An LED shop light is required because... You can't always have some outside. Sometimes it's just too cold for a plant outside or too hot or too windy or whatever. Um, and so you do need that LED shop light to start from seed, but ultimately you don't want to grow plants inside. Yeah, makes sense. And I think people would do that because they're worried about weather or, um, you know, uh, maybe pest management or whatever. But like we were talking, if you get a greenhouse, Harbor Freight, you can get a 10 by 12 greenhouse for $600. Um that's not cheap, but it's not super expensive either. And a six by 10, you can do quite a bit inside of that space. You can go to Home Depot and get one of those like paint cover things that are 80% clear. And you can throw that over your garden and hold it down with rocks. Like that helps with pest control <laughs> and it raises the temperature. Like um, I wouldn't recommend that in July in St. George, you want shade then, but, but you can get something with a little bit thicker amount of uh, so it's not so see-through and that helps too. Like you don't want to cover it completely or it'll all die, but yeah, uh, there's a lot to do with that. But if you think about it, really you can get, they have them frost blankets. I've used sheets, white sheets. You can use black sheets to block out sun, just throw it on to keep it warmer. Like you really don't need anything crazy expensive. You just need a sheet. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, how can people find you and your resources to learn more from you? Okay, so all of my stuff kind of circulates around my Facebook page, the Something More Than Mud Pies. Okay. Um, but I also have specific groups for Washington and Iron County. There's the Washco Utah Gardeners and the Gardeners of Iron County. Those are two groups um, that I'll be putting on free classes through April for. Um, so if you want to join us on that. We also, I also will eventually have a website. I just have never needed one until <laughs> now when the whole world has fallen apart. So, um, but, but if you need information, you can find me on that Facebook page and I can direct you to those courses or whatever else. All my courses are free. I, I want to get people gardening. Like that's my whole goal. <laughs> yeah. If we can get people gardening, like then I'm out of a job and I'm okay with that, you know? Yeah. And awesome. And everybody is more secure, which is important. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% on board with that mission. I, you know, prior to all this shakeup, I had a whole different direction in life, and my what I was doing was in the sports entertainment world. Well, all sports are canceled right now, so um, I get a tremendous amount of value in life from service in one way or another. So I needed to pivot, and I've taken on gardening as that thing I want to encourage people to do. So I'm enjoying uh, learning from you and joining your mission. Um, are you familiar with Victory Gardens? 
Yes, I love Victory Gardens. <laughs> yeah, totally. So Victory Gardens was the whole concept in World War II that every house in America should be growing their own produce. And I think we need to revisit that. So I started a Triumph Gardens as a to pay homage to that, right? Like I was saying about the World War II vet that I, that I interviewed. And it was just, look, when you have your own stuff, you can relax and just focus on the task at hand and not worry so much about all the other stuff that we have, we have created as human beings. So um, I love that. I'm going to make sure I put those links when I get this out to your stuff uh, inside of here. And um, I think that's it. Oh, do you have a quick second? And is your greenhouse presentable to show us kind of what you have going on in there? Or? Yeah, I've got uh, a lot of my stuff is in the production house still, um, oh, okay. but I can show you what I've got outside. Yeah, that'd sure. be awesome. You yeah, we'd, check out. we'd love a quick tour. I actually set it up so that I could show you what I do. So um, when you grow in a, green, a greenhouse, you're going to have a lot of pest issues. That's okay. just how it works. Um, so we, we have this, my favorite, it's blooming. I don't know. Can I turn the screen around? Yes, yeah. I can. All right. Do you see this little beauty right here? Uh, I just picked this up from Walmart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I use trap crops a lot in my gardening. Um, trap crops are what you treat with, say, a pesticide. So you don't have to treat your others with pesticide. Um, it attracts, say, things like aphids or grasshoppers. They eat the leaves they die huh. so that you don't have to worry so much. So that's what I do. I have two roses in my greenhouse. That one's just the prettiest one right now. Um, so trap crops are, you can use outside in your garden too. I use pumpkin plants um, for trap crops for things like squash bugs and aphids. Um, I also use different types of flowers, um, including marigolds um, and even sometimes tomatoes just to be a trap crop to things like aphids. Um, that you can kill and also tomato hornworms um, so that you don't have to treat all of your plants with pesticides. Um, so yeah, I've got some things out here. So this, these are my, right here, these are right here, there we go. These are my um, uh, companion plants that are starting out all through here, this little area here, um, because I, I have found benefit in growing uh, basil with tomatoes and marigolds mm. with tomatoes and nasturtiums with squash and things like that. Um, those are what I usually start first uh, just because there's a huge benefit to that. Um, I also grow like herbs um, because in that triumph garden, right, you're going to want to have things that you can take care of your family with. Yeah. Um, like medicinally, you know, so we grow things like eucalyptus and we grow things like let me see what I'm looking at here. Basil, thyme, things that you can use, uh, chamomile, um, all these different things, fenugreek, and all these different herbs that you can use for keeping your family healthy. Yeah. Um, like antiviral is a fenugreek. There is the echinacea that's an antiviral. I love echinacea. Echinacea tea is wonderful, and it keeps you healthy. Um, we're currently starting production of elderberry, and I, I think everybody should grow an elderberry plant. It's both a pollinator attractor and it's really good for viruses, which is the flu and the coronavirus, you know? And yeah. um, I also believe in growing sustainable crops that are perennial. So things like raspberries and asparagus, and I produce all those from seed, harvest seed and reproduce that you guys can do as well. You know, if you, if you want to come pick up for me, that's great. I won't say no. Um, 
but like you really can walk to your neighbor's house and be like, hey, you have a rhubarb plant, you have an asparagus plant, you have a basil plant, can I just come get some seeds? Yeah. And um, there you go. Then you have all these things like the rhubarb, the asparagus, the raspberries that reproduce every year. Man. And you don't have to do a whole lot of work for some of those, you know? So that's, let me show you what else I've got in here. I've just got a lot of soil, but, but like here are, here are my little tomato plants. So we actually reuse pots. That's a huge thing for us. If you notice, they are dirty. I have them all down here too. Um, when you reuse pots, you have to be careful just to make sure you, uh, Make sure that you somehow disinfect them, um, especially if you got plants from a box store. They carry so many diseases, and I don't ever recommend buying stuff from box stores if you can avoid it, um, because they're just not quality. But the pots work again, right? That's you just have to make sure they are disinfected. So we want to reuse, we want to recycle, we want to be able to have trap trap crops. You don't have to use pesticides. We try not to use any pesticides. We use things like insecticidal soap, um, ladybugs mostly, but, and like, there's so many different things you can do that you don't have to use uh, pesticides, but. Yeah. Just all those different things. We grow flowers for pretty and for pollinators. Um, and you should always grow flowers for pollinators. But I don't know, what else would you like to see? Um, you said you had a garden outside growing that you were gonna show us? Yes, we, we have, let me walk out here. So again, I'm up here in Paraguna. I could show you the one in Hurricane, that's a lot further along, but I'm not there today. Oh, yeah. I will be there eventually, but I'm not there this morning. So this is what we do out here. I'll show you the elderberries we've got in the ground. Okay. We just got them in this week, and my kids and my husband are out here, so. Awesome. You might, you might get a peek of my family, so. <laughs> All right, I've never so heard of trap crops, so that's really cool to learn about. Okay, so this, let me move my pop socket there. This is where we, this is part of our garden. This is how we also garden. We've got goats up in here. They are part of our, our uh, soil amendments. Um, and our chickens are down there. You can't see them right now. But we just do the furrows. If you notice, we've got, can you see those? I can't yeah. tell. Yep. Okay. So those are the elderberries. Um, if you if you want, you can come get an elderberry out of the ground, but um, they're easy to reproduce. Uh, there's nothing really growing yet, but we do have a lot of seeds out here. We have lettuce up by the goats, or else I would take you up there, um, that we have growing already. That's about it that grows in March in Paraguna, but cool. that's all right. Um, yeah, so that's how we do it. We, awesome. We do stock kill because our soil is still pretty hard packed, but you don't have to if you don't want to. So. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, um, sharing your knowledge. And uh, like I said, I'll make sure all the links to your other stuff is shared because we covered just a fraction of everything you've been learning. And so, uh, we're grateful that you are continuing to share that to help people learn more. We lost you for a second.
Let me see if I can unmute you. There we go. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, there's just not very good re internet reception out here. Yeah. Nope. That's okay. That one nope. That's but, all good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, maybe I can have you on in the future. I'm sure we're going to get a lot more questions about this, but uh, we'll keep the, keep the mission and the message going for everybody getting their own garden started. Yes, Triumph Gardens. Woohoo! Awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks, Jasmine. Have a great day. You too. Bye. We'll see ya.